0: Like, from day one of this, every time I needed something or, you know, I don't know, was running low on money for medication or um, needed a ride to Tulsa for, you know, physical therapy and doctor's appointments, everything has been, like, taken care of, you know? Even, like, um, there's been a couple times I, you know, I'm stuck at physical therapy because I forgot to You know, find a ride home. And so I'd start texting people and be like, can somebody come get me? And like within 10 minutes, I'd have a ride.
1: Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now, your host and a longtime feel good runner himself, Jim Lynch.
2: Well, hello, runners, and welcome to episode number 12. That's right, T W E L V E 12. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running, and I focus on the everyday runner. Let's be serious here. Most of us are everyday runners, and what I, I don't mean we run every single day. What I mean is we're just normal runners. We get a pair of running shoes, we go out for a run, and we do it for our health or for whatever reason we we run. Uh, we're not elites. We're not going to win races. But we enjoy running and all the benefits that running can give us. So that's what we're all about. Now, if you were expecting a bowling podcast, well, somewhere you went down the wrong road. However, if you listen to us, maybe I can convert you from being a bowler to being a runner. And yeah, you could probably do both. But I think running has a little bit more health benefits than bowling. Not knocking bowling, just saying, okay? So before I get into where I'm actually at now, I'm on the mainland, not in Maui. I want to tell you a little bit about our guest today. Bonnie Vandera is a woman from Vanita, Oklahoma. And I came across her story about a month and a half ago, and I read it three times. In January of 2018, she went through an absolutely horrific event. Most of us would never have survived, but because she's an EMT, she was well-trained and had the skills, the mindset, and the will to be able to survive this horrific incident. And of course, there was luck, a lot of luck involved, because one small little thing could have ended her life in those precious seconds that she had to Figure out what to do. Now Bonnie is a runner. And she's had successes since this horrific event. But what's really amazing about Bonnie is that in March of this year, 2019, she walked the entire Little Rock, Arkansas marathon. There is so much more to this story and Bonnie has still a long way to full recovery and she may never fully recover 100%. So don't miss our conversation. You will be inspired and motivated by her incredible will, positive attitude. And amazing strength, and you will walk away with a different perspective on your own life. All right, so how are you doing? Life going good? You're running going well. May is really a, kind of the final month of spring where there's races to run. It kind of tapers down when we get to the summer months in June through August, but uh, doesn't mean you can stop running and stop training because the fall race season will be here before you know it. And uh, you just don't want to want to taper down to nothing. You want to keep running and um, apologize. Usually I try to have a episode out at the beginning of the month. Well, it's already the middle of the month. And, and uh, this one has taken a little bit of time to get out. I definitely want to be sure that they're good when I release them. So why you may ask? Well, I am in Spokane, Washington. And there's a reason why I'm up in Spokane, Washington. You probably know if you've been listening that I am the co-race director of the Maui Marathon. So we are here for the 43rd annual Bloomsday 12K race. This event attracts more than 35,000 runners and walkers, and it is an extremely huge and anticipated event each year in Spokane. So we participated in the expo and had a booth to promote the Maui Marathon. And I'm going to tell you that this is an amazing expo. It was like walking into a running warehouse. They had just about any vendor, shoe vendor, product vendor, uh and all kinds of other stuff there and they do just an amazing job and we had a great location and I got to talk to a lot of people from Spokane uh people that are runners and and non-runners alike and we got to talk about the Maui marathon and we uh had some merchandise from 2018 people bought some shirts and stuff like that but the pleasure was to be able to talk to local residents and really get a wonderful feel for the Spokane area. You know, when you're there and you're talking to people and they're all happy and excited about this huge event that happens every year in Spokane, and you really get the feel of how proud they are of their community. It's really amazing. And of course, I had my remote equipment, so I was able to do a few interviews and I had the opportunity to interview the race director, Don Cardong, who this was his last year. He started this 43 years ago and he's retiring. So it was a nice little conversation. I'll play that in a new segment. I'm going to devote a new segment in this episode to the Bloomsday race. I also interviewed some vendors and participants, so I think you'll really enjoy that. Now about the city. Spokane, beautiful city, absolutely gorgeous up here. Now I hit it just right because I know that in the Pacific Northwest, it rains a lot and there was no rain. The sky was blue as blue can be. The weather was perfect. People were outside. I think they had cabin fever from winter, and now they were finally outside to be able to enjoy the nice weather. And in downtown Spokane, there's Riverfront Park. I've had a chance to run a few times on the Centennial Trail. I think it's a 36-mile trail, but in downtown Spokane, it uh, i think it's around mile 22 to 24 or something like that and it goes around Gonzaga University what a beautiful university i ran around there too part of the centennial trail there's this beautiful vistas and deep valleys and just gorgeous. And even in downtown at Riverfront Park, they have this gigantic, if you remember when you were a kid, and they probably still have them now, the radio flyer wagons. Well, they have this gigantic radio flyer wagon. I mean, this thing is huge and it's got a slide and kids love it. And uh, I even slid down it, Yeah, kid at heart. And uh, the best thing... <laughs> I ran Bloomsday. I ran the race, 12K, a very well-organized event. It was amazing. I had a wonderful experience out there. My time wasn't so incredible. It was respectable, but the experience was amazing. And Doomsday Hill, everybody talks about Doomsday Hill. This is about a three-quarter mile hill with about 120 feet of elevation gain. It's a steep one and I have a picture that I took before I climbed it and you can find that in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com and they actually time people at the very bottom they have the timing mats and uh, and then they have them up at the top and so they give awards out for the fastest that, that run the hill so kudos Kudos on this course and this race, and the after party was good. Um, I went into the beer tent, had a few brewskis. I knew not one person. I don't know anybody in Spokane. So I just uh, stood at a table, and a couple people came up and talked to me. They were very kind. The people in Spokane are so kind and very friendly. I felt very welcome in Spokane, and if you ever get a chance to go there and run Bloomsday, I highly recommend it. All right, before we get to our news segment, I originally had something recorded in this spot, but I removed it. There is something else more important that I need to discuss. Um, out here on Maui, you probably may have heard on national news, we got a situation going on out here, kind of loops in with, what I was talking about in my past episodes, which referenced female running safety and female self-defense. And in episode nine, I had Tasha Church on here, a female self-defense instructor. And uh, we talked a lot about female running safety, female self-defense. Well, there's a woman out here. Her name is Amanda Eller. She's a physical therapist and a yoga instructor. She's 35 years old. And on May 8th, she went up to the Makawa Forest Reserve to either go for a run or a hike, and she's been missing ever since. It's not a, not a good situation out here. We are a very tight community here on Maui, and this really hits home for a lot of us. And I'm recording this, I, I plugged this in, and it's uh, six days since she went missing, and You know, as time goes on, things may not come out as they should. And we're all hoping for her safety, but, you know, I I, I just don't know. And, uh, you know, they found her phone and her wallet, which were still in her vehicle, which is parked. I've, I've run up at Makawa Forest Reserve before, and it's beautiful. It's a trail. It's three miles up, three miles down. But... Again, there's nothing up there. And we're hoping that she, you know, went off the beaten path and maybe fell. And, uh, you know, there's still a chance that she may be alive. But there's a, probably a good chance by the time you hear this episode, she'll have been found one way or another. But if by chance not, and you happen to be in Maui and you happen to be listening to this episode and you know anything, you have any information about Amanda please uh you know call the authorities call somebody this really hits home you know i read about it a lot about female runners going out on the mainland and disappearing and now it's happened here on the island and we really did a lot of focus on this recently and uh it just hurts and uh anyways you know just a a, a tough thing so her name is amanda ellers and uh you know i checked all of our running results from a lot of our races here and she's not run any of our races i i didn't know her personally i do know she has an office here in kihei um and one in wailuku but uh and you know what the other thing is, is that I've run up there and I I took my phone with me when I ran up at uh, Makawa Forest Reserve and there is signal up there. So, you know, take your phone with you, please. If you're going to go running, I mean, do something. This is just a frigging sad thing. A lot of people out here are doing a search right now and uh, we're just all hoping for the best. And ladies, please you know, take a self-defense class, be safe out there, tell people where you're going. I don't know if it would have worked in this situation, but at least the odds might have been better. And, and go back and listen to episode number nine with Tasha. That's going to give you a lot of information on female running safety and female self-defense. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that, but uh, let's just hope for the best for this beautiful woman who's missing here on Maui. All right, let's move on with some uh, running news for this episode, which I've dedicated to the Bloomsday Run.
1: Searching anywhere and everywhere, here is this episode's Feel Good Running News.
2: The Bloomsday Run in Spokane, Washington started in 1977 and is one of the top five largest races in the United States and takes place the first Sunday of May, each and every year. This year, over 37,000 participants either ran, walked, or jogged a 12K course. There is truly a race for everyone. Runners of every level, walkers, wheelchairs, kids, and stroller pushers are all welcome. The 7.5 mile run takes participants through a course beginning and ending in downtown Spokane near Riverfront Park. Much of the course offers views of the Spokane River with the Finish line at the north end of the Monroe Street Bridge, where the scenic Spokane Falls serves as a backdrop. A hill on Pettit Drive, late in the course, has been affectionately nicknamed Doomsday Hill by runners. Gaining 120 feet of elevation in less than three quarters of a mile, it's the steepest climb on the course. Every single participant gets a race time no matter how fast or slow they cross the finish line. And yours truly here ran the Bloomsday race this year, but our purpose was to promote the Maui Marathon, which by the way, will be held on Sunday, October 13th this year. So as I was at the expo, I had a chance to chat with the founder and race director, Don Cardong. You know, Don, you you put this on a long time ago. How did it all start?
3: Well, it was interesting because uh, I was a marathoner in the 1976 Olympics, and right before that I was invited by Jeff Galloway down to uh, the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta and um, it was the first really big road race I'd ever seen that that, uh, became kind of common over the next 20 years. To me, it was huge. It had 2,000 runners in it then, and I thought, "Wow, this this could work in Spokane." So uh, that kind of got the thought process going. And then I happened to come back to Spokane and was in a little uh, Heart Association run with about 150 people in it. And the reporter asked me, um, you know, what I thought about all the running interests in Spokane. I said, "We've got to have one of these runs like I saw in uh, Atlanta." And so she did an article in the paper. The mayor saw i uh, the mayor cornered me in the uh, coming out of the elevator one day, and that started the ball rolling, and here we are. So the first one that you ever did, how many
2: runners did you have?
3: Well, our first year we had 1,200, and now that doesn't seem like very many, but at the time that was about at least twice, maybe three times as many as we thought we would have. Uh, so we were ecstatic with that turnout. The next year we had 5,000, and the year after that we had 10. So we were growing by about 5,000 a year for our
2: first 10 years and it was amazing. And you're one of the uh, top five largest runs in the U.S., from what I understand. Right. And so your numbers now are almost 50,000 runners, right?
3: Well, this year will be about
2: 40,000,
3: so we're down a little bit from our all-time highs, but we're still pulling a pretty good crowd. So what's
2: it take to put on a big run like this? (laughs)
3: Full-time job? Uh, It's a full-time job for me. I have an office assistant most of the year. uh, And we have one other staff person who works on it. Uh, And then we have 5,000 volunteers. That's the key, is they have to all kind of be pulling in the same direction. So um, we have a board of directors that does a lot of work. Uh, We have uh, committee heads that are all real active. And we all make sure we're talking to each other and uh, planning together and then on race day or race weekend we need 5,000 volunteers so yeah it's a big
2: project. And tell me about the course and what people can expect on the course the runners and then and, and afterwards. I will say it's a beautiful course but it's not an
3: easy course there are really three hills on the on the route uh, it's seven and a half miles, uh, exactly 12 kilometers. And um, so, but it, it's nice because it starts and finishes. Well, it starts in downtown. It uh, sort of travels a route that takes you uh, kind of through the river gorge a couple times, um, up a big hill at five miles. Uh, and then, flat from there to the finish, and the finish is right above the uh, Spokane River Falls, which is a gorgeous part of Spokane. So it's a really beautiful course, but it's not easy. Uh, and. The only advantage uh, for a lot of people is it's 12 kilometers, and they don't do very many 12-kilometer races, so they can get a personal best.
2: Exactly, (laughs) and then afterwards, the party begins.
3: The party begins. We try to, I think we're gonna get great weather this weekend. Uh, We've typically had pretty good weather for Bloomsday, and uh, when it's nice afterwards, people stick around and have a good
2: time downtown. Well, I, uh, I'm i gonna run it tomorrow. All right. It'll be my first one ever here. So I'm looking forward to it and I wish you the best of luck out there.
3: All right, thank you. I'll be out there too, so I'm pretty slow anymore, but we'll be giving it a shot.
2: And you, this is it for you. This is your last year, huh?
3: This is my last year as race director. I was really, I was a, a volunteer on our, on our board of directors for most of those years of the race. And then in 2004, our then race director retired and I took over at that position and I've done it since 2004 so uh, I'm retiring and I've got a great uh, person coming on to take over the race director job so
2: uh, it looks like things will continue awesome well thank you so much and good luck to you all right thank you okay well because the expo was so large it was only right that I walked around and talked to a few of the vendors
4: my product is called sweet spot skirts it's a skirt that covers your backside when you're running and the nice thing is we fit from a 0 to 24 in four skirts so our main skirt will fit a 2 to 14 it's reversible so the clothing is very functional our tights are guaranteed not to write up our flat belly tank is ruched in all the right places so it makes your belly look flat um, and we're just really excited about helping women get out and run and feel good about the way they look because until we have time to have that svelte and skinny body we might as well make clothing that um, designs for their bodies so it's very flattering and so that's what we do and we design everything and make it in the usa
2: They're very colorful your product is extremely colorful
4: it is uh,
2: and, and you you invented it right
4: yes yes i'm the creator and Designer, and it's been nine years. REI carried us in 150 bike stores because we're huge in the biking, running, tennis, golf, um, pickleball. Now we're the number one pickleball skirt right now on the track, and that's growing by 600%. So we are very versatile. We even call our skirt the most versatile skirt in the world.
2: So, how do people find out about it that are not here at the expo?
4: Go to our website. We have free shipping even to Hawaii. It's uh, sweetspotskirtsplural.com. So, sweetspotskirts.com.
2: So what do you do here?
4: Uh, I'm slinging beans.
2: And what's the company you have?
5: Uh, So we're Roast House Coffee. We're a local roaster here in Spokane. Um, It's pretty awesome. We partner with Bloomsday every year and fundraise with our coffee. Uh, It's all organic. It's all, um, you know, certified fair trade, shade grown, bird safe. Um, And we just do our best to make sure that we're contributing positively, um, you know, with our product and with our here in our community and, and things like that. And it just tastes really good. So we don't really have to try very hard. <laughs>
2: I've had some of your coffee and it's excellent. Yeah.
5: Um, it's, really fu- it's a really fun job for sales because I don't have to do anything. I just have people taste it. And, uh, you know, then I get to give them the information about why it's important and, um, you know, how we're trying to change the decision making that goes along in the coffee supply chain and uh, why those decisions have you know, more extensive ramifications than people really realize in how they're spending their money. So
2: So if somebody's here in town, Spokane, how do they, where's your store at?
5: Well, we have our retail location is downtown. It's First Avenue Coffee um, right by the Monville Hotel on Monroe. Um, And it's just a beautiful space. It's a brand brand newly renovated uh, historic building. Uh, It's just giant on the inside. It's got like a mezzanine area, they do uh, vegan and gluten-free baking, all in-house, uh, and then our roastery is up on Cleveland Avenue, um, just north of the foothill, or Yolks on Foothills, um, and we have a complimentary tasting room there, so we always invite anybody to come on by and just taste whatever they want, and it's a really neat space for people to be able to not just explore what kind of coffees they like, but to really be educated about it, and just kind of play around and experiment So it's really, really fun.
2: And they can order your coffee online, right?
5: Absolutely. It's RoastHouseCoffee.com and they can uh, order anything and they'll be able to see any of the limited release coffees that we have or any of the new projects that we have going as far as partnering with other nonprofit organizations. Um, They can purchase coffee on the behalf of those organizations and we donate $10 per pound sold to that organization.
2: Well, thank you for keeping all of us runners awake
5: (laughs) yeah no problem we're all about it man we're all in this together so uh, we're just doing our doing our best
2: no doubt there was a coffee vendor at this expo because it is washington state you know and then of course anything you needed running wise apparel shoes gels Feet Fleet had you covered,
6: Julie Pannell.
2: And you're one of the owners of Fleet Feet. Yeah, my
6: husband Wade and I are the owners. We opened in 2012.
2: So tell me about uh, Bloomsday. It looks like a giant running warehouse here. How do you how do you do all this?
6: Uh, well, we have a lot of support from our vendors um, that we partner with that come and help and you know work the work the booths and then help us out. So it's it's a lot of fun.
2: So you have this whole area, and, and so tell me some of the vendors you. We have here.
6: Um, we have Brooks and New Balance. We have Hoka um, on Ultra Newton. Uh, we have some two sock brands: um, Mizuno, Saucony. So most of the running vendors
2: <laughs> plus you have accessories here like you have the gels and all that yep. too.
6: we've got goo and a new one called trail nuggets that's a washington company
2: so how many years have you been doing the bloomsday
6: uh we did it our first year we were open so 2013 so this is our seventh bloomsday expo we started with four little booths in the back and now we have 40 up front so yeah
2: <laughs> it's amazing it's a good thing <laughs> and you, you get a lot of people here yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, thank to me.
6: You're welcome.
2: And of course how could I possibly go around the expo without getting a comment or two from a couple of the participants that are in the Bloomsday race this year. How many have you done so far?
6: I think about 10 or 11. Um, it's definitely not easy but it's doable. I think anyone you know as long as you work hard and train for it you can do it.
2: And what's the toughest part of the course?
6: Doomsday Hill, (laughs) Um, I think uh, from just doing it, what I've learned is just kind of slow down your pace and don't race it, just pace it and just so you don't have to just catch your breath, you know, and then kind of keep going and just don't give up is basically, don't let the hill intimidate you, I guess that would be my encouragement for anybody. I love all the bands that are everywhere sporadically.
2: Nice. You don't like the running part of it? <laughs>
6: no, I like the running too. It's just nice to have a little music while you're running. I like all the people that are in it. Keeps you entertained the whole way. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of people. You forget about the running part of it.
2: So there you go. If you are ever in Spokane the first weekend of May, check out the Bloomsday Run. It really is a phenomenal event that the whole community comes together for, and it's a great time.
1: And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest.
2: All right, it is time for this episode's guest. Now, there are times when you hear someone's story that is so amazing, so powerful, so inspiring, it will actually bring you to your knees. Well, my guest this episode is Bonnie Vandera, and she is from Venita, Oklahoma. I cannot tell you how honored I was to have this time with Bonnie. She is definitely Wonder Woman, and you will soon understand why. So enjoy my conversation with the incredibly amazing Bonnie Vandera. First of all, Bonnie, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You know, you, your, your story is pretty, pretty incredible, in my opinion. Uh, I found you. I get a news feed And I found you through uh, one article that was done in Runner's World on you. And I think I read it three times. And I, you know, I think it's hard to believe your story as far as where you were and where you've come to. But let's go back, go way way back before we get into your real story here of what's going on. You're from Michigan?
0: Well, I was born in Michigan. And then... When my sister and I were in junior high, we moved to Indiana. So between Michigan and Indiana.
2: Were you, were you, um, what part of Michigan?
0: We moved all over. Uh, I was born in Ypsilanti. Then we lived in the upper peninsula for three or four years. And then we moved to like, it was somewhere around Kalamazoo and then we moved to South Bend,
2: Indiana. Interesting. First of all, I've been to the Upper Peninsula, Houghton, in Hancock, Michigan. And I drove down through over the, uh, what is it? The Mackinac Bridge? Mackinac Bridge? Yes. Yeah. And then you get back into the you know regular part of Michigan. Been to Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. Been all over uh, that area. So I'm real familiar with it. Um, what, why'd you choose to go to South Bend?
0: um because that's where my mom and dad moved us
2: <laughs> ah okay so you had no choice in the matter <laughs> no they just threw you in the car and said we're moving to south bend indiana
0: yep pretty much no not really um no dad got a job there okay so
2: that makes sense so you mentioned your sister a lot it sounds like you're very close
0: well we're identical twins so
2: identical no. yes wow same birthday Oh, yes. I would assume that it probably is if you're identical twins.
0: Right. Unless we're born at, you know, midnight.
2: Then that would be. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Understand. <laughs> um, right. So you're still, I assume, very close to your sister. Does she live by you?
0: Um, She is in North Carolina and we are both paramedics.
2: I know. I read that. Tell me about that. First of all, you went, where did you go to college at?
0: Um, It was in northern Wisconsin. So where my parents wanted me to go. Okay. Um, And then um, I've done a bunch of classes out at one of the schools in Tulsa, too, since I moved out here. But um, my sophomore year in college, I took a first responder class. And because, you know, I just wanted to know what to do in an emergency. Right. And that's when I fell in love with EMS. And I've never been the same since.
2: <laughs> so tell me for the listeners out there, um, explain, first of all, what EMS is and then explain what you uh, what what that career involves.
0: Um, so EMS is Emergency Medical Services. Um. It's who shows up when you call nine one one. Sometimes you can EMTs and paramedics can, you know, work in the emergency room too. So, like a first responder, they know CPR, how to check your blood pressure, you know, simple things like that. Um, the short assessments, that sort of stuff, and then there's EMT basic. Um, the titles vary a little bit by state, but um, there's an EMT basic, which is, well, basic stuff. Um, assessment, CPR, vitals. And then there's a middle level. Um, it var- That varies by state. Some, some places call it intermediate. Some call it advanced. But they can do everything that EMT can do, but they also start, like... And can interpret some of the heart rhythms and give some um, cardiac medications, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and start IVs. And then a paramedic can do all of that, can innovate, can interpret 12 lead EKGs, treat them, innovate a patient, give all sorts of drugs. Skills, skill wise, we can do more than an RN. Mm -hmm. So. just know more
2: did you did you get into um being a paramedic when you took your first responder course it was it in 1997
0: yes that's when i um took my first responder and then um it just kind of went on from there i knew what i wanted to do and it was just a process of getting there i was an emt basic for i don't know five or six years and then i went to paramedic school so i think total well, I don't know. It's been, well, if you start from first responder, it's like 21, 22 years.
2: That is a so. long time. You must be super, super, super skilled.
0: <laughs> or crazy. Eh,
2: I don't know. You know, I, reading <laughs> your, reading all your, uh, through all your stuff, I, I get this impression that you have a, you're, you're, you're a giver and you really like to help people. And I think being in that profession is really a giving field to be into because you're you're saving lives actually uh, yep. in what you do, and uh, you you have to be you know one hundred percent passionate about it because the situations that you run into, I'm sure, you know, you got to know right away. I, it, you don't yep. have you have seconds to save. Right, somebody. I mean.
0: It could be anything from a toothache in the middle of the night to, you know, a major trauma or cardiac arrest or, you know.
2: How did you, your sister get involved too? Was it because of you or did you get involved because of her or decide on that career?
0: (laughs) It depends on which one of us you ask. Um,
2: I'm trusting you the most.
0: (laughs) Good answer. So I took that first responder course and then like the next like a year later basically she took the same thing and then she had the same thing happen she knew that's what she wanted to do so technically i started first but she she'll she'll say the first responder doesn't count and i say it does count but you know so that's a debate but anyways the whole sisterly you know fighting thing
2: right sibling fighting
0: yeah but um she as far as emt goes she started that before i did so she's been like emt and then paramedic longer than i have
2: is she she does this in the carolinas yes it's interesting that you both you know first of all you're identical twins and second of all you chose the same career too that's uh that's pretty pretty interesting right there that could be actually a whole story in itself Right. When you were in uh, Indiana, you weren't a paramedic. Were you a paramedic in Indiana or did you do that when you moved down to Tulsa?
0: Um, I, yeah, I did it all in Indiana. I got my EMT basic and then went to paramedic school. And, oh, here's a funny twin story. So my sister and I, of course, we did paramedic school at different times, but we had the same paramedic instructor. And so, of course, my sister was going through the class first. And so one night I went to class four and <laughs> he totally fell for it. Didn't even know it was me instead of her. And then when it was break time, we switched back. And then she went and told him and she's like, hey, Tony, did you know we switched? And he didn't believe her until we were both like right in front of him. Okay. So then. <laughs> so then, when I took the class, by then he knew like the differences between us and um personality and you know the whole shebang. But so when I was taking it, we would just you know threaten to switch, but we never did.
2: After that time, did he become skeptical and would look at your sister and <laughs> uh, and say, "Hmm, are you? Who are you?"
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mostly with my sister because uh-huh. he was still, you know, learning differences. But
2: uh. so, so was there a difference between both of you, or were you both just good actors? Oh, there's differences. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, she's more, she might punch me for saying this, but I think she's more serious and I'm more like mischievous.
2: Got it. All right. Well, please let us know if she punches you for that. we would we'd really like to know that
0: (laughs) okay i will (laughs)
2: that's a that's a good uh that's a good difference of balance there i i like that quite a bit yep so you you actually moved to tulsa for career
0: yes it was about well july will be eight years since i moved out here and um the job i had in indiana was just I mean, I was paramedic, but it was like pretty much going down the tubes. And in Indiana, there isn't a whole lot for like EMT paramedics if you aren't also in the fire side of things. So I just started looking for, you know, better job and I had I applied all over and I, you know, North South Carolina, I forget where else, but obviously Oklahoma and I had never even been to Oklahoma before the job interview. So they they called me on a Monday and we scheduled an interview. Like my interview was going to be like, I don't know, the Thursday or something like that. And so Monday I emailed him and I said, I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't have money to move out there. (laughs) So then like the guy called me the next day and he's like, what can we do to help you? And I told him again, we didn't I didn't have the money for it. And he's like, well, you know, we have relocation assistance bonuses and sign-on bonus. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. So then drove out here for the interview and um, they gave me the job offer that night. And I had two weeks to go home, pack everything up and move out here.
2: So they must've been very impressed with your credentials. Well, maybe (laughs) they they seem to be really weaning you to come down there and offer you a relocation package and uh, see you. So you, you, you had probably a very good resume behind you and, and that's why they wanted you. Did you have a desired uh, place that you wanted to go to or, or were you willing to just take whatever, you could get that would advance your career?
0: Um, it was pretty much like anywhere. Like the job would be an improvement over what I had in Indiana. The skills we could use, the I don't know, equipment, that sort of thing, the pay, benefits, whatever.
2: But obviously for, for being down there as in, in Oklahoma as long as you have been there, it, it must have been it must have paid off pretty well for you. As far as, you know, your career. Now, were you in Tulsa when one of your colleague paramedics asked you to do a 5K?
0: Yes. My, it was my EMT on that, um, at the job in Tulsa. And we were sitting in the ambulance one day and she's like, Would you, will you do a 5K with me? And she's, you know, she, she wasn't, skinny by any means and she had never ran at all either and her asthma was like way worse than mine so I just like literally laughed at her so we talked about it and she like there is one in February it's called the sweetheart run in Tulsa she liked what the money was being donated for so that's why she picked that one so we would meet you know on our days off and attempt to run.
2: What is it, huh? What is an attempt to run? How, how does that work?
0: Well, you know, when you've never ran before.
2: You're kind of just uh, taking a couple of faster steps than just walking, right?
0: <laughs> right. And, you know, puffing on the inhaler and mm. <laughs> thinking, why are we doing this?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Running had always been like a childhood dream, and it kind of got buried deep down over the years. And so... When she asked me that, it really struck home or struck a nerve, whatever. So I, you know, agreed to it. And then uh, (laughs) so our training greatly needed help. But like there wasn't that much. But, you know, I went and did the 5K. She uh, bailed. Bailed on me, and so I told her I was like, "You, you might not be doing this race, but you better be there to support me." Was she? Yes, she was. You know, now I look back at the picture from that race, and I'm like, I had no clue what I was doing, like even what to wear, because I was dressed like I was gonna be a speedy, fast runner.
2: So you, you dress for the part, but you at that point, that was your first race ever, and you. I right. had no idea what you were doing doing going into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I froze. But I did it, and I crossed the finish line, and my life was changed for forever from that finish line.
2: What did you feel when you crossed the finish line?
0: Oh, it was incredible and exhilarating. I don't know, shocking that I actually ran a race.
2: So. You know, that's, that's, that happens so much what I love one of my favorite things is when somebody gets into running and they don't think that they can do what they set out to do and then they cross that finish line and it's so exhilarating and it's so emotional I know ex- I know the exact feeling how you feel or felt at that time what year was that
0: um Here are make me think um
2: as long as you okay. don't make me think oh, we're all good here
0: okay um let's see 2014
2: okay so about five years ago six years ago yeah and so after your first 5k what were your what was your next race and 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 what did you do to get more and more into running at that time did you join a group out there or find some other runners or how, how did that all come about um your progression
0: Well, I, of course, kept signing up for 5Ks, and just, like, on my own, and then um, over the course of time, I met some, you know, running buddies. I couldn't do, like, an official running group because of my work schedule, but... I did meet up with some, you know, meet some friends that way. And then they got me, there's a, through the Cherokee Nation out here, there's a, they do a, like a wings program where if you're a member, you can run like the their 5Ks and 10Ks for free. They pay your fee or whatever. Oh, that's nice. So I started doing that and um, got even more races. And then, you know, after I'd done like a bunch of 5Ks, I was like, well, let's do a 10K.
2: Yeah, we need to step it up a little bit here.
0: <laughs> right. And then I did a couple 10Ks, and I'm like, well, if I can do a 10K, what's a half marathon? <laughs> so my first half marathon was the Route 66 in Tulsa. That was my first half. It was also my first full marathon, like, I think it was a year after the f- first half, but maybe two years, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, so then I I did a bunch of halves and of course then that wasn't enough. So I had to do a full and I don't know about doing anything farther than a full right now, but maybe. Yeah, I, won't, well, I, won't.
2: I haven't <laughs> gone over that. Uh, I don't do marathons anymore. I, I've, I figured 101 is enough for me. I do a lot of uh, halves and 10Ks and 5Ks, but um, yeah. I think your first marathon, kind of digging around on you, was the Route 66 marathon, and I think you did that in, uh, in November of 2016.
0: Yeah, that
2: sounds right. And uh, you, were, you came in at around seven hours, which is very <laughs> admirable. Yeah. And then didn't you, the following year, do Chicago?
0: Yes. And I took almost an hour off my time.
2: You're right. It was 6.07.51. That's exactly what you did at that yep. race. I love the Chicago Marathon, by the way. I think uh, yep. that's that's such a PR there. That was my PR. But I just find they do such a good job. It's so, so exhilarating to run mm-hmm. through the city and and the spectators and crowds. It's just Phenomenal. Um yeah. you know it's a it's a decent course and uh I just I love I loved everything about the Chicago Marathon. I did it three times and just wow. I just loved it.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorites.
2: Now were most of your um uh, five Ks when you first started off, were they all in Tucson or did you travel around a little bit?
0: Um, yeah, mostly Tulsa and like small towns around Tulsa. That sort of thing. I went. I did drive down to Oklahoma City once for a 5K (laughs) because they had there is a finisher medal. That was my. Of course,
2: it's all about the medal.
0: Right. It was between that one and like one in Tulsa, but the one in Tulsa didn't have a finisher medal. So I'm like, well, we're going to Oklahoma City.
2: (laughs) That's right, because you got to have that medal. I think what you mentioned when you were down there when you were working, you would do 48 hours straight. And then you would have five days off, and that gave you an opportunity to do these races.
0: Yes. After I did two years in Tulsa at that on that ambulance service because that was my contract, and then I changed jobs, um, and then worked out here in Venita for five years. Um, but out here in Venita, I did the f- worked forty eight hours with five days off, and that was like the perfect schedule.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. For a runner, yeah. that's that's glorious. Yep. So, Venita, where is hmm. that in perspective to Tulsa?
0: It's about an hour east of Tulsa, and f- about forty-five minutes west of Joplin, Missouri.
2: Okay, tornadoes out there, huh?
0: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> Coming into that season here now too, aren't you?
0: Yes joy oh joy
2: joy oh joy (laughs) did you have to deal with uh anything as a paramedic for any did they send you over to Joplin when they had that horrific tornado
0: no that was the summer I moved out here oh okay so I was like driving and I'd see all the signs for the people coming to help and I I was like what am I getting myself into yeah there's tornadoes out here
2: Yeah, well, yeah, because it's flat and there's nothing out there. They just, they just appear out of nowhere. And uh, there's, they're so devastating, you know, out here in Hawaii, we're like a needle in the haystack. If you look at a map of, we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and we're just little dots out here. And every year we worry, you know, about hurricanes coming through and they usually shift, um, you know, off, away from the island. We had a couple scares last year and there was some that created some damage uh, to the big island and a little bit to Maui, but not in the area that I live. I live in South Maui, a town called Kihei. Um, so we're always worried, you know, at some point you you lose, your odds are, are reducing. At some point you're going to get hit with something. And then, you know, we also have the tsunami threat because there's a lot of, uh, earthquakes over in Japan and the Philippines yeah. and all of that. And every time there's a major earthquake, uh, there's a, an alert, a tsunami alert, and then they usually cancel mm-hmm. it, you know, shortly after, but you know, something's going to get us out here someday, I'm sure. And so Vanita, w- w- when did you move over there?
0: Um, well, I've been work. I worked out here for- like a few years before I ever even moved out here, I would drive from Tulsa.
2: Oh, all the way to the, down or to, uh, east yeah. to the to Veneta. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. All right. So, so you've, you've done your races. How many, do you have a a approximate amount of uh, total races you think you've done?
0: Well, it's more than 50, but I haven't counted in a couple years either. I keep all my bibs and all that stuff. So,
2: well, you, do you have a, I love me room where you have everything hanging your, your medals (laughs) and your bibs and your pictures and mementos. Oh yeah. If you've been a long time runner, you got to have an, I love me room that's right so you, you were doing all this life was good paramedic loving your job doing mm-hmm. the running loving your your running and all the stuff that you were doing and then on January 23rd of last year your life changed yes can you tell me a little bit about that day and how it started and what happened
0: um well, my um, well, my EMT and I have been partners on the ambulance for about two years, and he was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. He also had PTSD, really bad, um, and not. Were you very, friends
2: outside of being paramedics, just out of curiosity.
0: Um. Friends, as in like family, you know, mm-hmm. not like dating or whatever. No, no,
2: no. I didn't mean dating, oh, okay. but just, you know, like you'd sometimes hang outside of work.
0: Right. We'd go to the drive in, you know, theater in Tulsa and, you know, watch a movie or, you know, have a get together at somebody's house or, you know, because we were basically one big family. So, when he found out the cancer was back the second time, he asked me if I would move to be closer to him to help him through the cancer fight. And he lived 30 minutes east of Venita, So like an hour and a half from Tulsa where I was. And um, so he asked me to move closer to, you know, help him through that. And I was like, sure, it's what you know good friends do so i moved down there you know things were going fine and honky dory um january 23rd he uh well hang on back up the day before so the 22nd i had to take him to the emergency room because he was complaining of chest pain and he lost vision and i think it was his left eye and of course now <laughs> i know it was from the stress because he knew what he was gonna do but anyway so january 23rd um i was just chilling out in my apartment watching tv and he uh texted me and said he was gonna stop in just to you know say hi or whatever and i'm like okay so i just had like a little tiny tv that would you know just sitting on the floor and um I was laying on the floor, watching TV, and he came in, we talked a little bit, and then the next thing I knew, I was basically holding my head and screaming, um,
2: Had no idea what just happened.
0: Right, you know, and, like, not really, like, out-of-body experience, but, like, you, like, I didn't hear myself screaming initially, um, but when I like started to calm down a little bit, then I realized I was screaming <laughs> and started to realize what had happened. And my first thought was um, that maybe he was having a flashback um, and thought I was somebody else, you know, because I'm thinking, why would he even do this to me? And um, so then he was like, um, you know hold still don't move and I thought he was gonna like throw me in the back of his truck and we were gonna go to the emergency room um
2: did you know that that, he did this or did you think maybe somebody else came in and did that at that time
0: no I just I knew it was him Hmm. I just didn't know why you know Mm -hmm. or if he was in his right mind or not or well obviously it wasn't in his right mind but as far as like a flashback or whatever So then he's like, hold still, don't move. And I'm thinking because of like, you know, our medical training, spinal injuries, don't move. Well, of course, now I know he was getting ready to shoot me again. And that's why he told me to not move. Um, So another gunshot happened, you know, the same reaction. Don't realize I'm screaming to like start calming down or whatever. And then uh, I think he at that point, of course, this is all uh, speculation. Guessing. Right, speculation. Um, but I think at that point he panicked because he didn't think I would, you know, still be kicking, <laughs> and he picked up a picked up a baton stick, and um, I was holding my head with my hands, trying you know, well normal reaction and control bleeding and you know, whatever. But he took a, but the picked up the baton stick and started beating my hands and my head with it until it broke. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason he stopped then was because he thought I was like fixing to be dead because he was all, he was known for carrying at least one, probably two or more guns on him at all times, even at work. And You know, so it's like, and he had more than two bullets. You know, he carried more than two bullets. So it's like, why, why not a third shot? You know, so that's, I mean, that's why we, I mean, that's what we think.
2: Were you able to clearly think at that point or were you suffering trauma at that point and just had no idea everything was a blur?
0: Oh, I remember it all. Wow. Um he left, and I start, started crawling around the floor looking for my phone because I was gonna call 911 because my thought was, I'm not gonna die here by myself, and I sure ain't gonna die without a fight. So well, I couldn't find my phone. Later found out he had he, he took it with him and destroyed it along with his cell phone. But so anyways, I couldn't find it. So I'm like, okay, what now? Plan B. So I knew the neighbor right below me was home most of the time. So I was like, well, there we go. So I went outside, you know, I stayed crawling because I knew I'd probably pass out and whatever else if I stood up. So I crawled outside, crawled down the stairs and then to the neighbor's door. And I of course knocked on the door. He came to the door. Totally freaked him out. And I'm like
2: Understandably so.
0: Right. Right. And I was like, Can you call nine one one for me? And so of course he did. He stayed with me till police got there. Um and meantime okay, so I was wearing my hoodie from my half marathon in Montana at when this happened. And you know, I'm kneeling there on the sidewalk, holding my head, waiting for help to get there. And my thoughts are, "Wow, I'm glad I'm not wearing my Chicago Marathon hoodie, because otherwise, I'd have to go change. Because I knew I would never see the Montana hoodie again."
2: <laughs> we're we're kind of a, a wired a little differently as runners,
0: <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's priorities, right?
2: It is priorities.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um like police got there and they were I remember them trying to figure out how they were going to get me to the ambulance because it was still active shooter scene cuz they hadn't found him yet. And um so I remember like neighbor was on one side and the police officer was on the other side and I just, you know, saw his boots and his pants and you know, heard the conversation, and then that's like that's all I remember until I woke up in the hospital. They said though I was like talking in the ambulance and could answer questions. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, hope I didn't say anything, you know, crazy. But then they said that I had a seizure in the ambulance, um, and then. I, I got intubated in the ambulance and then they flew me by helicopter to uh, Joplin, Missouri. So, and then I woke up with a tube down my throat, which made me mad.
2: I can imagine. So you, I, I gotta believe that most, if not every person probably would have not survived this, but because you had your EMS uh, background, paramedic background. You know, you knew how to handle a situation like that, and you applied it in this this situation.
0: Yes, that helped. That helped tremendously because, you know, not just like the first aid stuff, like you know, putting pressure on a wound, but just staying calm, you know, in a horrible situation. You know, because I mean, we go on to You know, different calls and stuff, and you know, there'd be blood and guts everywhere, and you have to stay calm and take care of the patient, right? So, I mean, and that training just kicked in automatically. And you know, I never panicked, I never, like, I don't know, whatever, but (laughs) I just stayed calm and. I was like, this is what I have to do. And then, you know, kneeling there on the sidewalk when everything I could do had been done, it was like I told myself, okay, you're done. You need to shut up and let them do their job instead of trying to tell them how to do it.
2: <laughs> let them take care of you. Right. Instead of you trying to take care of you. Right. <laughs> Did, um, You know, it's also amazing about this. And and as I was reading through all your stuff and listening to your story is that in most cases, uh, that's pretty severe to have gunshot wounds to your head and in the brain and all of that. And for you to remain conscious and alert and knowing what to do, you were very lucky.
0: Yep, very much so.
2: And then I know that it's probably in your back of your head today um it probably goes through your head that you're never going to have an answer why this all happened all
0: right
2: so you're in the hospital and by the way i I thank you for sharing that story because you went a lot more in depth than um that was in there and and i know that you you know you relive this a lot in your head but thank you for sharing that with everybody i appreciate it um so you're in a hospital and you wake up and you got a tube down your throat and you're mad because you have a tube down your throat what were, what were your what was going through your head at that particular time um, What did you think I mean uh, most of us would probably be scared to death not knowing what was going to happen ever past that yeah.
0: well, I woke up mad because well the tube was on my throat but as a paramedic, it's a pet peeve of mine that if you sedate somebody and intubate them, that you better keep them sedated. <laughs> you know, no waking up with a tube down your throat until you're ready for them to wake up. So, it happened several times I woke up and, you know, then I'd take another nap. But so eventually they did take the tube out and all that jazz, but um after that everything's like super fuzzy oh you know I remember you know bits and pieces but um like a lot of people from work were there my bosses were there I mean I remember like when my two of my bosses came to see me I told them I wasn't gonna you know be able to make my shift the next time around <laughs> and they're like uh yeah uh, yeah really <laughs> <laughs> right you know and like my sister was on her way out here but I guess I I don't really remember this part but she said that she called and I talked to her on the phone for a little bit and uh she said she asked me how I was and I was like I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck and then she said there was a pause and then I said got shot in the head <laughs> and she said that at that point she knew I'd be okay
2: yeah because yeah, your sense no. of humor did not take did not leave you you kept that sense of humor
0: right and so I don't know exactly when she got there but um, she was there you know the week or, I was in there for eight days so she was there till I got discharged but um Yeah, she says that I gave the nurses, you know, kept them on their toes and (laughs) stuff. So, like, the neurosurgeon came in one time, and I asked him when I could start training for my next marathon.
2: (laughs) And he looked at you and said, really?
0: (laughs) Right. And he, like, he didn't know what to say, so he fumbled around, and he was like, well, maybe in three months.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, um, what i was reading you were in the hospital you you were in there for around eight days after the incident Mm -hmm. and then not too long afterwards which this is amazing it's it's in my opinion just about a miracle you did a 5k
0: yeah (laughs) um in the hospital the physical therapist brought me a, a walker and it has like the armrest on it um because of course my hands and arms are totally bandaged up too and uh they said that once I had that walker there was no stopping me so of course they sent me home with a similar walker and that 5k I did was it's my running anniversary race the sweetheart run I do that one every year, but originally went home with a couple coworkers co-workers since I couldn't, you know, be by myself and all that jazz. But um, and so I told them, I was like, I am doing this 5K. And she was like, well, we'll see. And of course, he's like, you're not doing no flipping 5K. <laughs> you just got shot in the head. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this 5K. So. You know, I'd go out, of course it's freezing outside. I'd go out in the garage with my walker and go round and round and round the car <laughs> until I was, you know, exhausted.
2: That's amazing. It that really yeah. is.
0: And then uh so I would I got my time up where I could go like 30 40 minutes. And um cuz I'm stubborn, but and obviously hard-headed. Um <laughs> so but uh so the day came and one of my uh nurse friends out here at the little hospital in here in veneta um she came and picked me up and we went and did the 5k oh hang on back up so my primary doctor he's a former runner so he gets this whole you know insanity thing and so i told him you know, I'm doing this 5k. And he's like, okay, but you have to have, obviously do it with your walker. And he's like, but you have to have friends with you. Someone has to be pushing a wheelchair. And there was a couple other things I had to, you know, do or whatever to get him to let me do this. Right. So I think I had like seven or eight friends walking with me. Somebody was pushing a wheelchair. You know, every time there was a little bump in the road, somebody was like, there's a bump, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was probably bigger than even the first 5K, probably bigger than the first marathon too.
2: When you crossed mm-hmm. the finish line at that race, yeah, I can't even imagine what was going through yep. your head. What was I,
0: My friend, nurse friend, Julie, she and I like hugged each other and I would like, you know, you know, like the body jerks that you do, like right before you start sobbing your eyes out.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I started doing that, and she's like in my ear. She's like, "Don't cry, don't cry," or "I'm gonna cry too." And Of course,
2: everybody cries. Yeah, we cried.
0: Both, yeah. <laughs> like to sobbing, whatever.
2: Was there a right lot of there? spectators at the finish cheering you on too? Oh yes, I can imagine that that would have been i would have came out if i wasn't a runner i would have came out to see that that would have been just a magical moment right there yeah um you're a writer and yes. uh you i i know that you you clear your head in ways by writing poems and yes you have it up on Facebook and I'm going to put the link with your permission, put the link up there so people can read some of this. It's, it's okay. up to you. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fine.
2: Okay. Um, so as I was reading some of your poems and I want to read one of them, it okay. looks like from the time that you went through your incident and your recovery, you've gone through some major peaks and valleys and it looks like the you, you probably had done a lot of these poems prior to May 10th but just decided to put a lot of them online on May yeah. 10th and it kind of it really kind of shows where you were at at the time. One of the, one of the poems that I liked and it was one of your early releases and I don't know how soon after the incident this happened but it was called Let It Go uh-huh. and it said if, I, I'd like to read it real quick if that's Okay. Yeah, it's fine. It says, let it go. When you discover the truth about someone, when you find that someone close to you wasn't who they claimed, when your heart severely hurts with emotional pain, let it go. When those who claim to love you refuse to be by your side in troublesome times, when they are full of excuses as to why they cannot be there, when they are only after the drama and personal attention that they think they will get from it, let it go when the worst possible tragedy happens to you and you survive when you wish you could have done more to help when your heart breaks for the whole situation let it go when sleep is rough fight every night when the nightmares trouble your soul when the minds replay the event are constant let it go. I cannot change the past. I cannot change people's choices and decisions. I cannot change the outcome, but I can let it go. When I was reading that, what I what I felt was, and and, and as I was reading several of your other other poems, um, it seems like you had a lot of support, but I also got some negativity that people were putting you down and I I don't understand that can you can you tell me where that was all coming from
0: Yeah um like people here in Oklahoma have been absolutely incredible through this and even still now um my extended family you know aunts uncles cousins have been incredible um my parents on the other hand they live in Montana and Um, they refused to come down to the hospital. Put it that way. Um, They were told multiple times from the ICU nurses to my bosses, to my sister, how grave my situation was and that the doctors didn't expect me to survive. Um, And even to this day, their excuses are that they were supposedly... uh, they claimed they were told that it was just abrasions to the back of the head and some broken fingers. Well, you don't get intubated on a vent in ICU for abrasions to the back of the head. Right. You know, and my dad was a medic in the air force. So, you know, he gets it. Um, My mom has had surgery, so she gets it. So it's almost, so it was just, you know, it's all excuses is what it is. So that's where a lot of the hurt and the pain come from. Cause you know, when you go through something like that, you would think that certain people would be there for you. And then when they aren't, you know,
2: but. Sometimes when, when you have, and I am so sorry that, you know, you're, you're struggling with so much at that time, physical recovery, mental recovery, because I'm sure, you know, aside from, um, you know, why? I mean, there's a lot of mental involved in your recovery process, but to have somebody that is supposed to be very close and supportive of you isn't, that's got to be hard. And I'm so sorry that, that, you know, that happened because sometimes that's something like that seems to wipe out all the good that happens, just that little, that little... Thing there so um, you know
0: but you find out going through something like this you find out who you know is is truly there for you and like people came out of the woodwork here to help me you know the community put on a 5k and a bake sale and silent auction and
2: bonnie know, strong stuff. 5k they put on for you
0: yeah yep so you know and it's just like even now even but like from day 1 of this every time i needed something or you know i don't know was running low on money for medication or um needed a ride to Tulsa for you know physical therapy and doctor's appointments everything has been like taken care of you know even like um there's been a couple times I you know, I'm stuck at physical therapy because I forgot to, you know, find a ride home. And so I'd start texting people and be like, can somebody come get me? And like within 10 minutes, I'd have a ride, you know? So it's like, that's just been totally incredible.
2: That's wonderful. Communities are so amazing when something happens on how they support. And I am so glad that that, Is how you are in your community. Yeah. That Bonnie Strong 5K, that sounds like it was a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) It was. It was a blast. It was like stupid, crazy cold, but...
2: Well you live in a stupid, crazy, cold area,
0: <laughs> right, pretty much, um, so yeah, that was I think it was yeah, it was April when we did that. so yeah it was yeah. april twenty
2: or April fourteenth is that an annual thing, or was that just a one time
0: it oh, it was a one time thing, people from the hospital started talking about doing it and then they're like, what should we name it? And told me I had to design the t shirts and or pick what color and I'm like, uh green, hello. My favorite color. You know, people chipped in to help and or donated stuff for the silent auction or baked goodies for the bake sale. Street department guy was like, I got this covered we'll block roads and got the fire guys to help and it was amazing.
2: Uh. I can imagine that, you know, those, that's what you need. That helps so much when that happens. I can't, can't imagine how you felt. Yeah. You, you, you now, when you run, um, you have a theme and it's (laughs) Wonder Woman (laughs) and you wear, you know, your Wonder Woman garb. How did that all come about?
0: Uh, Um, (laughs) it's my friend's fault. Um, people here and just friends around the country basically started calling me wonder woman and um just cuz of what i've been through and pulled through and all that but um so that's i don't know that's how that got started so i just i guess i just kind of went with it
2: was that right after or did that uh, progress more recently the wonder um, woman theme
0: oh it started in the hospital
2: oh wow so after you did your first 5k you didn't did you do that 5k your Your 5K, uh, Bonnie Strong? Yes. Okay, so you did that. And then you've done races since then. But um, last March, you had a major, major accomplishment. And you ran the Tucson, or I'm sorry, you ran the Little Rock, Arkansas Marathon. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, this last March. That was absolutely amazing, incredible. And yeah, my friend Julie... Went with, she, like, walked with me, and then I have a friend, Liz, that she takes me to appointments on Mondays, but she was our chauffeur, because Julie and I were like, there's no way we're driving home. <laughs> we need a driver, so Liz drove us, but um, the cool thing is, is that if this had never happened, Julie would have never done a full marathon. Mm. Because she vowed she would never do a full marathon. And so then, originally signed up for the Little Rock Marathon. I was supposed to do it March of 2018, but of course that wasn't going to happen. So I had to defer it. So when it got to be the time of, you really have to train, there's no, you know, there's no procrastinating right now. When I got to that point, um, I asked Julie if she would do it with me. (laughs) And of course she said yes, but... She told me later, she's like, there probably isn't anything that I wouldn't do for you right now. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to remember that. But um, so we did the marathon in eight hours and 11 minutes. You I did it
2: in eight hours and 11 minutes. Exactly. Yes. And you, and you know what? Uh, first of all, kudos to your friend for for being there for you. <laughs> But uh, it's all about the medal, and I don't think you can get a bigger medal than the Little Rock, Arkansas Marathon.
0: You got that right. Three pounds of that sucker—that
2: is amazing. I—I I did, I did Little Rock, and. My medal is tiny compared to what they give out nowadays.
0: Well, you might just have to come back and do it again. No,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe unless you do it, then I'll, I'll hang okay. with you and do it that way. But no, okay. I am not training for another marathon. I've done it for 28 years of my life and yeah. I'm, I'm giving back. I'm the, Now I'm the <laughs> giver. I'm giving back to the running community. They did so much for me when I was... When I was doing it, but that's remarkable, I you know. And you, I think you mentioned, or what I read was you were physically able to run the first six miles, and then the rest of it you did um, without. No,
0: I walked the whole thing. Okay, like I can't, I can't run at all right now. Mm-hmm. And but I can. Well, it depends on what day it is, but. I can do like up to six or seven miles without my walker. Otherwise I have to use my walker. Okay.
2: So you, you actually, you walked the whole entire marathon. Yes. So running has been really a nucleus for you. And in some ways, or maybe many ways, running has actually saved your life.
0: Yes, very much so. Um, Back when I first started running, I was going through my divorce. And so that gave me, well, one re- one big reason, you know, to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and so at that point, I started the habit of always having at least one race that I'm already signed up for to keep, you know, the motivation going. And then, of course, when January 23rd happened... Um, a lot of time running was I won't I won't say the only thing, but in a m in certain we'll say in certain moments, it was the only thing that gave me a purpose, you know, in the dark dark moments. Because, you know, like Little Rock Marathon, um I had something to look forward to and push myself towards. Like if I didn't have that going through the last year you know who knows what would have happened I know it would have been a lot a lot more tough to deal with you know
2: I think you said one thing in there that uh, I caught which is it gave you a purpose
0: Mm -hmm. yep huge purpose
2: that is so great you you got to look back Bonnie and look at your where you were you know that day you suffered a a seizure, a stroke. You had mm. broken fingers. You were in the hospital. Didn't know what your future was going to be like. I mean, I you probably are still, you know, have a long road ahead of you. But Ew. but what you have done as far as your determination and will and and just saying three things that I I wrote down that you you say is that you You never give up, go big or go home. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, it was really cool and we should all live by too, is instead of taking big chunks out, five minutes at a time. Yep. And by doing all of this and thinking that way and thinking positive and using all the positivity of the people that are in your life that are positive, you're making these major milestones that are so inspirational to to runners and non-runners alike and you know we're we're all I mean I'm just blown away and thankful for you and I'm sure so many other people are thankful for you our problems are nothing at all when we look at your story they're not and so I appreciate you Bonnie
0: and like obviously I never would have chosen this to happen to me i had you know i was gonna be a paramedic on the ambulance for another 20 years or whatever in my book but you know opportunities have come up because of this because i would have been through that never would have you know happened otherwise and i've been able to use my story to encourage other people and you know even just walking with my walker in a whatever race I'm doing, people are just encouraged by that, not even knowing the story behind it. So through this, I've had, you know, had trouble finding a purpose. And in my head, I would have this conversation with myself and I'd be like, well, I can't be on the ambulance. I can't do this. I can't do that. What's the point? Why am I still here? And a big big reason is so that you know I can use my story to help and encourage other people so you know that's been it's like a huge thing for me
2: well it it certainly is resonating out there because some guy in the middle of the pacific ocean found your story and is propelling it to others that are listening and I know I know for a fact that people will be inspired by, by this, whole, this whole conversation. So to our listeners out there, Bonnie, based on what you have gone through, and you know, I know a lot of people out there are probably going through their own issues now, what would be some words of encouragement you would give other people?
0: Um, well... Not to like say the same thing, but or what I've said in the past, but you know, it really is five minutes at a time. You know, because in the dark, dark moment, I was like, you know, you keep looking to tomorrow or next week, and you're you're thinking I can't get there. But if you like zero in, and you're like, well. I can make it through five minutes. And if you need to, it's one minute, but I can do five minutes. And then after that five minutes, it's okay. I can do another five minutes, you know, and it doesn't matter what you're going through. Someone else's dark moment might not be your darkest moment, but I mean, we're all going through stuff and basically no matter what you're going through, you know, it's one foot in front of the other. And you know, you can do it. I mean, I've gone through the worst thing ever in my life. Hopefully it's the worst thing ever, but, (laughs) you know, and I'm far beyond where the doctors thought I would ever be. You know, it's being stubborn and it's being determined and, but it's, it's just not giving up. It might, like one day you might not have the determination, but you know, you're not going to give up. And so you just, you know, what's that? Five minutes at a time.
2: Five minutes at a time Mm -hmm. and never give up. That's, uh, that's, that's very well said. Very well Mm -hmm. said. And Bonnie, it's, it's, let's stay in touch. It's been such an honor to have met you and to have had an opportunity to have a conversation with you. And I uh, probably on behalf of all the people that are listening to this podcast today or whenever they're listening to it it could be five years from now i don't know (laughs) but uh we all wish you the very best and continued recovery to get back and uh we're all anticipating when we can see you actually running out there
0: well thank you very much this has been an incredible experience
2: well you're an incredible person and uh (laughs) You touched touched my life, I'll tell you that. So thank you for coming on. Oh, man, I cannot tell you how honored I am to have had that conversation with Bonnie five minutes at a time. I think about that quite often. From that conversation, she changed my entire perspective on how I approach my day. You know, we all think about our problems or challenges, and they do seem monumental to us at times. I know for me they do. And though I understand that there are those out there that are dealing with some very severe issues and challenges, Most of us will not deal with the issues and challenges that Bonnie has gone through and will probably go through for the rest of her life. What a strong, positive, determined, wonderful woman she is. Man, she is Wonder Woman for sure. Now one note, the person that did this to Bonnie did take his own life right after he committed this horrific act. And that sadly will always leave that question in the back of Bonnie's mind, why, why me? In my show notes, there are some pictures of Bonnie and links to a couple of articles and local TV clips. Also, there is a link to the poems she wrote. You will experience her peaks and valleys as you read them. I read every single one of them, and each one touched me in some way. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, Bonnie. Continue to challenge yourself and participate in those races, and we will all continue to be absolutely inspired, motivated, and just amazed by you. We are all on your team, Wonder Woman. Don't ever forget that.
1: Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good.
2: Well, runners, it's about that time for one of my favorite parts of the episode, and that's our inspirational quote. And you know what? For this episode, I am just going to use a quote from our amazing guest today, Bonnie Vandera. It says it all, and it goes like this. Take each day five minutes at a time. Don't ever give up and go big or go home. And Let me read that one more time so it sinks in. Take each day five minutes at a time. Don't ever give up and go big or go home. Well said, Bonnie. Well, runners, that's it for this episode. If you like what you hear, please share it with your running friends and on social media and feel free to leave us a comment. You can even record up to a three-minute voice message and we might play it on the air. All you do is go to feelgoodrunning.com and there's a little orange tab and click that and record whatever you'd like I'd love to hear from you and for me personally I truly appreciate your support of the feel good running podcast until next episode remember just show up and always always feel good about your running
1: that's it for this episode thanks for listening please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel good running vibe around you Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.